Varashreet Sridhar, thank you so much for coming on the Building Bridges podcast. And how are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me, Aman. Uh, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's so bizarre the way we met, but I'm so happy <laughs> we're finally doing this. And for those who don't know who Swarashree is, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Um, hello, my name is Swarashree Sridhar. I'm a Kathak dancer and I'm a disciple of Guru Pali Chandraji. She is a Kathak dancer um, and dance educator. Uh, my Kathak journey has uh, started when I was around uh, seven or eight and I've been dancing for over 12 years now. And I take pride and in all gratitude, I'd like to say that I am uh, completed my dance education with a dance diploma from the ISTD and I have performed in a lot of places. <laughs> a lot of places. I Thank was you. watching that. So I kind of researched, I did research on you where I, it included me listening to a Kathak Spotify podcast, which is the bizarrest thing I've ever done. But you know, we do things. <laughs> so I remember it was a one hour, 10 minute podcast that I was listening to. And you mentioned one thing, especially Pali Chandra. So this is a name that I have heard my entire life. Because for people who don't know, Pali Chandra and my mom were Guru Bens. And yeah, I think uh, Swarashi is the best thing is, can you like explain what a Guru Ben is? So a Guru Ben is your dance sister. That's the, um, that, okay, that's not the literal translation of it, um, but it's your dance friend or the dance mate who you have, who you train with under the same guru or the same teacher. Um, and yeah, I think Guru Behan, the relationship itself is so beautiful, and I'm I'm great. It's, it's glad that like uh, Bali Ji and your mom are Guru Behan. That's They're that's amazing. Good. They actually went to the same school as well, Loreto, and so Bali Ma'am was around a year or two older than Mama. But oh oh wow! The same Kathak dance. They were in the same uh, everything actually. They did Kathak together for almost ten years, almost five to ten years. They did it together, so they've been there for quite a while. And then she came to Dubai and. That's why we reconnected with each other. But we're not here to talk That's about amazing. your teacher, Ms. Vajjandar. We're here to talk about Swarashri Shridhar. I'm just going to be calling you free by your full name because I like it. Sure. <laughs> but I think the first thing that I found really interesting personally about you was, I'll listen to the podcast, was how passionate you are about, so, about bringing awareness about different social issues. And I've as someone who's not really delved, who doesn't know too much about the Kathak world, I found Kathak to be very expressive. And so can you talk about how the journey with doing Kathak and raising awareness about different issues in general, and how did that kind of come in, for say, your dance? Um, my dance teacher, uh, Guru Pali Chandraji, has always um, sort of ingrained this seed of using dance for a purpose. In, in all of us, in all of us, uh, in all of her students. And um, I think when I was, when I started s sort of becoming a lot more creative, I started making my own pieces. I realized that communicating important issues that I see around the world um, held a lot of importance to me because I felt I was a reflection of society, a reflection of whatever thought process I was going through at that point. And my dance could then um, be that mode of uh, communication to a larger audience to say what I feel, to say what um, maybe a group of people feel. And I think that's why I, I like to base a lot of my own creative pieces on um, social issues or uh, medical issues. Um, 
as of now, I've done pieces that I can raise awareness about. For example, um, I did a piece called Rise Again, uh, based on dance movement therapy for Parkinson's disease. And it was, it was interesting to research about it and tell, using dance, tell a lot more people about it and raise awareness about it. I think being a dancer, it's the easiest thing um, you can do is raise awareness about things that are happening around you. Um, so yeah, that's what I try to do. It's really cool, especially if someone who hasn't checked her Instagram out, I will be posting her Instagram when I post these clips. It's beautiful, like generally how expressive you are and well, well, you're really good. So I don't, know, I don't know if anyone's told you this, but you're pretty Thank good. Thank you. <laughs> that means a lot. Thank you so uh, much. Um, but especially your expression, and I found something with, you said the connection of literature and Kathak has been always very strong. And you spoke about specifically um, South Indian literature, I don't know, or Tamilian literature. You were talking about some specific literature and how you've kind of got, uh, continued to use that as inspiration in your Kathak dancing as well. So can you talk about more with your relationship and how you related literature and Kathak together? Um, so in general, literature is everywhere. And I think every dancer, every Indian classical dancer is, um, very inspired by the literature around us um, to produce more movement uh, on said literature. Um, I personally come from a South Indian family, from a Tamilian family, and both um, my parents are artists in their own right. My mother is a Karnataka vocalist. And a lot of times we find ourselves um, almost jamming to a Karnataka song. I'll be doing Kathak movements to it. And ever since I was a kid, I've been very interested in Karnataka music itself. So she would tell me like, um, she would not only sing, she would also explain the meanings to me. And I think that sort of built the interest of knowing the meaning of what I'm what I'm hearing. Um, and that sort of segued into making sure I know what literature I'm studying or what uh, words the compositions mean when I dance to them. Uh, I. I don't know if this is the answer to your question, but I like to explore different works of literature in general in different languages because at the end of the day, dance is um, something so visual. It's it's it could be almost considered a universal language, right? So, whatever piece you're dancing to, it doesn't at the end of the day matter what language it is in because when I'm dancing, I am communicating in my own language, um, which is dance. So that's that's probably what I had said. In that. Like you mentioned. Same with music. Music is a universal language, and mm -hmm. I think that's where both of them go so well, to, so well with each other, and they're almost yeah. incomplete with each other. You, know, you need music to have kathak to a certain degree. I mean, you might different, you might disagree with that, but, and I think another thing that I found just so interesting about you not only, of course, you have this letter, but of you actually doing your first kathak dance at the age of five, was it? How old were you? Uh, seven, seven or eight. Seven or eight. About, like the journey of you've mentioned that you know your parents being artists really like kind of not inspired you, but I mean you could say inspired you to do definitely in, in, encouraged you. I think it's the better word to use. But yeah. how did you get to know that Kathak is like because dance there's a lot of different dances. Why specifically Kathak dance? That's what I want. Um, from the beginning, I've always been interested in dance. Um, music runs in my family from generations together. My grandmother is a singer, my mother is a singer. Um, and I too try and sing. I am learning under my mother, but I think dance just holds a very, very special place in my heart. And when um, 
other dance forms didn't work out when I was younger because of like travel time and logistical issues. Uh, we found um, Guru Pali Chandraji, and she was she was actually teaching very close to my house. And I think the moment I stepped into Gurukul, Gurukul is our dance institute here that Paliji uh, runs. Uh, the moment I stepped into Gurukul, there was this this amazing, amazing. Um, the vibrations were amazing. I I knew I loved it as soon as I stepped in, and I was nearly like seven and. The first, like, literally, she taught me my namash- She taught me the namaskar, and I knew that I was gonna stay here. Like, this, this was my home for the next like twelve years, and it's true. Gurukul has been my second home for probably like ever since I came. So, yeah. And that's amazing. That's actually amazing to hear, um, because especially with and what you know, the kids call vibrations. You call it vibes nowadays, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, you know, we're kids too, goddamn. But I was just really interested. In, for me, a very similar journey, especially with you and dance, is me and basketball being in the school team oh, wow. for five years. I love playing basketball. And was there something that you that dance taught you that you continue to do in your personal life as well? Any lesson that it's taught you per se, or anything that? What have you? What's your biggest takeaway from dance, and and something that you've applied in your life? Um, dance has taught me a lot, um, and a lot of it I do apply in my life. I think one very, very almost basic, but uh, something that's very important is discipline. Um, it taught me time management. It taught me multitasking, because um, a lot of times I would find myself in um, a dilemma where I would have I'd have to travel to India or Switzerland for dance shows or training, and I would have to come back like. The next day and like the moment I land, the next day I would have school exams. Uh, so that multitasking of studying while training, while studying on flights, while traveling, all of that uh, dance has been a big integral part in helping me understand, helping me manage myself as a person. But also it's um, in a way helped me keep a sense of calm in this world, especially when a lot of things um have been very turbulent for many people with COVID, with the pandemic. Um, uh, I know when I graduate, like COVID hit is like at the moment I graduated school. And like, I'm assuming like a lot of people our age, like a lot of people had plans to go to uni, a lot of people had plans to travel. And the one thing I didn't leave was dance during COVID times. And I, I know that that has kept me very, very sane uh, throughout this entire time. So yeah, that's my biggest takeaway. Um, if I'm not wrong, so she, have you done IB, right? You did yeah. the IB diploma, right? Same. Yes. I've also done the IB diploma. Oh. And so you know how crazy it is. <laughs> so you know the IAs, the deadlines, and especially you doing IB plus <laughs> traveling internationally for dances. Yeah, it's it's an experience. Let's say that. But definitely, <laughs> what I found, especially internationally, um, you said that you've performed in places like Switzerland in India, in different places, and Dubai, of course, that's where you're situated right now. Mm-hmm. But what was your first experience, I guess, like, inter- performing internationally? How was, can you speak about that? Because, I mean, you haven't spoken about, like, the book. Can you, like, give us an idea of what it was like, and how old were you, and just your overall feeling during that time? You know, it's funny. I actually don't remember when the first time was I properly performed internationally. That you remember. That you remember. Uh, <laughs> um, there have been 
quite a few different experiences actually uh in india like within india there have been a lot where there would be times when i would just go alone with my parents when once i was done with my arangetram or rangmanj pravesh as we call it um i uh, paliji encouraged me to go perform in different places and that too solo performances so one of them was in goa and um it was a very beautiful beautiful place and it was like a forest kind of location so i remember like walking barefoot with my gungus like from one end to the other where the stage was just on like rocks and grass and i don't know what what it was because there was no light and it was dark outside um so it's a lot of like other takeaways that i have from shows not maybe just the dancing itself um but that was a beautiful um place to perform in uh, another place i performed in was in london in um, under the guidance of guru paliji with all my guru behens uh, we had traveled to london and we had performed at the house of lords we performed at arts deco and it was just an amazing experience to perform in uh, such a widely well known theater um and a lot of uh, a lot of equipment that i didn't i've not seen um as an artist in in uae uh was available over there like the lights the the acoustics it was it was beautiful and um that was one one experience that i'd never never forget um of, of course dancing with my guru bahans dancing with paliji on stage that uh, it, it's surreal but i was just so fascinated by all the other things in the auditorium that um that's definitely one experience that was mind blowing and you also you mentioned during your conversation on this interview when you said you learned about different things besides the dance like lighting like acoustics and all now at least your physics somewhere it comes mm-hmm. useful, right <laughs> but what, <laughs> but what i was finding really interesting about per se about when i was listening to your podcast i'll be talking about because that's my reference to context is you spoke mm-hmm. about how you like when you especially when you're learning how to dance miss bali uh, ma'am really encouraged you to look at things outside dance as well something like i heard you guys had a sound technician with you when you were traveling second was you guys had your um, you guys had to go to into the studios and understand the beats and i don't exactly remember what it was but you've you've had to do a lot yeah. of outside music as well so could you talk about maybe learning that per se and how was that journey like because you're not only specifically dealing with dance that's another thing but this is something that you're going out of your way to learn or you've been encouraged to learn so uh, could you talk about like per se level um so the the yeah yeah sure sure of course the um other aspects of dance is i guess equally important about um apart from the actual dancing parts uh, that we train for um pali ji helped us um like literally when we were in lucknow she took us to uh, different um music studios where they would record music and she showed us that this is what happens in a recording studio this is what the technician does this these are this is what the artists do and she made us and all we had to actually go and do there was sit and observe and i i consider myself really privileged because uh when i went there i was only about 12 and i may not have understood like if i was any regular person i may not have understood the importance of it but the fact that she took us there she explained the importance of the entire uh, situation to me on how any professional dancer needs to know 
what to do in a recording studio because at the end of the day as a dancer you're getting your own music recorded so you need to know about the logistics the rates the costs that everything um uh like every any, everything and anything like takes right you can't just be a dancer and know your dance you need to be the admin person for your dance you need to be um the finance manager for your dance um and it's basically like you're running like a freelance you're you're basically a freelancer doing everything on your own right so you need to know all these skills um you need to know your lighting cues you need to design you need to have the ability to design your own lights and have the ability to explain it to the technician who will later just give you the right type of lights when you are on stage performing so there are a lot of skills that um any dancer needs to develop and i'm very grateful for paliji because she has uh, made sure that all of us um have imbibed these skills through real life experiences not about just theoretical we've literally done it so um super grateful to her for that oh, generally and so unfortunately i have not had too many conversations with my mother about katha but when you got when i got you on she was really excited she this is the first guest that she's actually excited about <laughs> that so i told her but because she kind of relates with a lot of things was around the same age she was started on in katha and she gave a first performance when she was like 5 years old and she showed me pictures oh wow that's crazy and one thing it was really really uh, one observation that i made especially with dealing with kathak was patience was observation and i think you can see that in a lot of things but especially in dance because it's so visual you have to be very patient you have to be extremely observant and third is you also have to be persevering you have to constantly and it's very and also very energy consuming you know because you constantly yeah. physically you're physically using your body to show these different uh, emotions and also can you talk about how that part of was that something that you've improved in this especially using dance have you become more patient per se in your personal life uh yes definitely uh this is actually something that my mother i used to observe my mother doing when she used to take music lessons for other people oh wait you're stuck am i stuck too <laughs> for you i'm just uh, continue continue now you know okay okay sorry okay fine great um definitely uh dance has helped me build patience and stamina in personal life uh this is something i observed when i was really young my mother do with her um, music students like she would keep making them uh sing the basics and when i joined kathak we have uh tatkar that is probably one of the first things we learned as kathak dancers tatkar is footwork and we are taught how to do the basic footwork and then it sort of builds up in speeds and levels and complexity uh but if you don't get that right you're not going to get anything right um as you go as you move forward in the art form uh so and that particular tatkar we would keep repeating every day for 20 to 30 minutes that would be a warm up and it would be really boring for like a 7 year old like i i would find it really boring in the beginning but as i kept doing it um i think it it definitely taught me patience and built my stamina um but i became a lot more understanding towards um just disciplining myself and i think i'd mentioned this before discipline is definitely one thing that i have taken away from dance so i think it all sort of comes together when i think about it now that's beautiful that's that's very very well said uh 
and i think more than anything it it comes back and i think dance has been there through our generations and historically i was just i remember i, I love history and i love looking at the historical context the cultural context and how dance is something that has been universally used to to like narrate things to for knowledge for information for education to to kind of communicate to people and dance there's no beautiful way and i think kathak is the beautiful most I think I think is the best example for that because of the use of expressions because of the constant the way you dance the way you're because in the end Kathak is you narrating your own story now you're narrating a story to a pub to the public without using words and I think that's the be- most beautiful thing about Kathak and I've started appreciating dance which is something I never thought I would say but <laughs> I mean I can't dance for anything to be honest. I can't dance to save my life so you know. <laughs> but uh, and I think I, I would just be curious. What motivates you? Like, what motivates you to keep going, keep continuing dancing, keep that discipline? What's that motivation? What's that drive for you? Uh, Swara, can you hear me? Um, yeah. I can't live with. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you now. Uh, I can't live without dancing. Uh. <laughs> But apart from that, I think um, knowing that uh, there's a bigger picture to everything. If that means sharing the art form to other people, getting people like, for example, you to getting them to appreciate the art form or getting them to um, educating them through dance or empowering them through dance. I, I love the, the idea of um, affecting positively affecting another person just through dance and because dance is like my language it it really at the end of the day helps me communicate my own thoughts and feelings which i may may or may not be able to do uh, even like using in a regular conversation or with any other field of um, uh, career path so i think when i see myself i see myself uh, taking dance to different different places Saying my say, saying this, saying what I want to say, maybe raise awareness about something, um, educate the, those audience members on something, and maybe taking a part of their story back with me. So I'm also educated myself, and I, every day I wake up and I think that one day I'm going to be out there, all over the world, doing doing what I love, which is dancing. And I think that helps me build a lot more motivation for myself to just pick up time my gungus and start dancing every day you i'm not joking you, you every your uh, like your leg day must be like every day at this point <laughs> like you know how people have like arm days like i'm talking about gymming when i feel like gymming day like you have like people have arm days you have the core and like for you leg day is every day man at this point because I remember holding those gungus one day and i don't know if it's just it's a size of gungus i don't know i was in school one day just gungus i was just saying these were heavy these are like good five to ten kgs on your legs yeah so like constantly and definitely on each leg on each leg five days so almost like almost you're having around 10 to 20 kgs uh, and this is and this is adding on to you and you have to constantly dance use your legs and using your legs was the most important thing in dance and I think that's where just more appreciation for your your leg, your calf muscles must be crazy. <laughs> uh, um, and I think coming back to one thing that you spoke about uh, Parkinson's disease, and you did your research where you went to, I was it an institute, or I don't really know what it was. You spoke about an institute where you went there and you observed 
the parkin the dance therapy that's used for stage 4 parkinson patients where which they you know they forget to you know at that stage they don't know how to walk they don't remember how to walk as well so can you tell me more about that experience and what made you really kind of in, like you investigate not investigate but what made you interested in this particular journey um uh, so, so the reason i actually like started even researching on parkinson's or dance movement therapy was because um a school project required me to do so it required me to go and like write a report on something and what i thought was best was to obviously use dance and make the project more interesting so that i'm not um blacking um so that was my only motivation to actually use dance in general for the for that particular project but what happened was i started researching on dance movement therapy and i realized that uh, one of my older older guru bahens um mrs vanita singh uh, i call her vani didi and she she not only is a kathak dancer but she runs these um almost therapy sessions or dance sessions for parkinson's patients here in dubai so it institute it's an organization called movement mantra and they uh, she basically like walks through with those patients with small small um dance movements and that could be like wrist rotations or clapping or um in kathak we have um a concept of rhythm patterns called tal and the way we do tal is like to clap and then like tap on our hands to show the beat cycle and itself is very um uh like it's considered exercise for um parkinson's patients so giving them a sense of rhythm and those prompts and those cues sort of help them uh build um sort of give them a cue to keep building a, a rhythm in their own brains because as as you mentioned rightly um stage 4 parkinson's patients a lot of times if they're if they're just been seated for a long time Uh, there are times when they could even forget to walk they um their voice starts slurring and all of that and it's obviously because of a chemical imbalance in their brain and this like dance you is used as an intervention to help them to at least be motivated to you know stay on beat or um get up and start walking so i've seen uh, one day they do like goes right left right left so the the command is a prompt for them and the beat that they walk in is again constantly helping them move or stay motivated enough to move and mobilize um the, my experience over there was was it was beautiful because being a person who probably moves and dances for a living seeing people who have a mobility disorder was obviously shocking it was it 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 wasn't pleasant but what was pleasant was their um was all those all those people their drive their their motivation their um empowerment to on, almost get up every saturday come to that session and just um know that they're going to get better through this and vani ji's uh uh drive to do that for them uh that inspired me a lot and after i finished the project like my write up on the project i decided to um take the concept of dance movement therapy which is very widely known in the western world but maybe not that much in the south asian uh, diaspora take it to like at least personally take it to another step and make a choreography about raising awareness about this topic and because i 
had observed Parkinson's patients, I thought that would be the best to showcase in my own dance because it's I've had a real life experience. So it, my dance would be most authentic if I showed it through that. So that was my experience with the um, entire project and dance therapy in general. That's amazing. This is such a cool conversation. Like I'm like, well, this is amazing. So we've come to the last part of the of my of our Zoom of our conversation series, and this is a part that I do with every guest of mine. I uh, I let the guests maybe like any because I mean this is the first time we're meeting each other, but I let the guests ask me a question and like kind of like summarizing the conversation with what we've had, and just like give them an opportunity to get to know who I am as a person. So, is there anything you are kind of curious to maybe ask or know about me, but but definitely, I've I've watched um, a lot of your interviews, and I just was so curious on how this all started and what was your thought process behind um, starting this. So it's a very it's an amazing thing you're doing, by the way. Um, just the fact that. Um, I've got to know so many people just by watching your videos and like knowing what they do, what they love doing and being inspired by all of them and being inspired by you. It's an amazing thing you're doing. So I'd love to know what, what got you to, you to need it. To be my, you need to be my PR person. So uh, jokes aside, <laughs> jokes aside. Um, so before these conversations, um, I, I've done around 35 to 40 Instagram lives. This process started with Instagram lives. This, um, so right after lockdown, August, everyone went through a really tough time. Personally, me, I went through a tough time during lockdown. Bored, feeling, you have all those thoughts coming up, you're, you know, fear as well. And I feel what's the best way to, and uh, what's the best way to kind of use all this extra time and energy in a more productive manner. Then I was just kind of like brainstorming one day. And at that time I was watching a lot of Instagram lives, a lot of these celebrities, or a lot of my friends were just going Instagram, going live. And trust me, if you want to really challenge yourself, just go live one day. That's, it's a huge challenge to just go live. And I was just looking at them, what they were doing, and people were just messing around, you know, people weren't doing much, how's their day and everything. And I was like, okay, this is fun, you know, but where's the content? What, what do I get out of this life? So I was like, okay, what can I actually bring change? How can I not change landscape, but what can I particularly talk about that's interesting? And one thing was, two things. One was mental health, because more than any time, mental health, I think our, our parents' generation really understood the value of mental health, especially when you're cooped in your house for like three months. Second was people's stories, people's motivation, their journey. And again, it's all about how do you, how do you kind of steer the conversation? For me, more than anything, now is I'm not here to tell my story. I'm here to let, let the other person tell their own, but I'm here to steer conversation. Just how do you kind of maneuver it in a way that is interesting, not only for the audience, but particularly interesting for me as well to understand, because you know I'm also getting to know so many more people. So I started doing those 40 lives I did. Mostly there were people from my grade, then a lot of ex-people in DP, I was in DPA Sharjah, and a lot of people, ex-people in the different, different sides of the world. Unfortunately, Instagram Live doesn't want work in UAE. So I wasn't able to get like most of most of my friends, but that's when I was like, let's try Zoom. Let's just see how Zoom works out. And Zoom has worked out quite well actually. Uh, I'm able to get a lot of people from different types of the world. Like I've gotten, I've, my my guests have been pretty crazy. My guess, I've gotten all the way from ex ambassadors of India to my nano, who was in, who was actually a pioneer of oral pathology in North India. 
he's a dentist. Then I've gotten a streamer from Twitch, who was a senior, senior friend, to uh, uh, to a stand-up comic from New York. So it's just I like variety and I like learning about different craft. Now that I've got an international uh, Kathak dancer, so that's what I find is I like learning about different things. I like learning about journeys, learning about stories, and more than anything, I saw ki attention, attention span of people have has reduced considerably with social media. So, and no one has the time. And let's be honest, no one has the time to watch a 40-minute video, and especially Instagram Live, has, like, the quality is not very good. So, how could I get people watching? Second is how do I keep people interested? Third is how do I keep my own motivation going on? So, these are my three questions that I needed to answer, and it took me a while to figure it out. It took me an entire month to figure out what exactly what did I want to do with these Zoom meetings. And after after some time, I'm like, let's just try it out. Let's do a few episodes and see how the response is. And the response has been amazing. And it's been nothing short of kind of like kind of crazy to be honest. And I have a lot more guests planned up, you know, now that I have I do have like only I have some time now. But it's all about improving yourself, Sarah. It's about keeping yourself motivated. And third is just learning about journey. And I think that's where our like dance and what I'm doing right now is all about storytelling. And that's something that's been a huge part of your narrative as well. You're so interested in stories. You're interested in people's journey. And your one way of kind of expressing them is through dancing, particularly for me. For me, it's about talking to people and interviewing them, per se. And that's it. And I think that's where the motivation to keep bettering yourself, keep improving yourself is something that keeps me going. And of course, talking to different people who have had different experiences. And... Kind of bringing them to life. I have gotten. I remember initially when I did this, I had gotten almost 300. I had asked like 350 people. I got more than 300 rejections. No, like just straight no. And a lot of people had different examples. And that's fine, you know, everyone. You can't force people into doing this, right? This is a very scary thing for a lot of people, and especially posting about yourself. That's scary, obviously. And you have to be comfortable. You have to be empathetic towards what are people scared about. But at the same time know what type of people do, that you want to bring on because the people that you bring on is a representation of who you are and I think more than anything it's about just having fun right? <laughs> I'm just having a lot of fun doing this and it boils down to everything is just your how much fun are you having so and I think I can put this back to you is to be honest Vara, you still do it because you have fun right yes you want yes you want to do this in the future yes the future but Particularly, it's about having fun. Am I not wrong? So... Of course, it's about having fun. Like, literally, like, I feel like I'm living when I'm dancing. So, exactly. any day. And I'm living when I'm talking to people like you. And is there anything you would want to conclude this podcast? I'm, I'm trying this new thing. I don't know how it works. But is there, some, is there some one message that you would like to tell anyone? Who's listening to this first thing? I know we are. I know we are two nineteen-year-olds. Um, but <laughs> I think. Yeah, but but <laughs> like, might as well, right? <laughs> um, I think for the this is off the top of my head. In the past couple of weeks, a lot of people have come and asked me, "Is it too late to start dancing?" And my first answer is no. So I think 
what I would love to tell anybody and everybody is if they want to dance, I think they should definitely, definitely dance. They should learn how to dance. Uh, it's never too late to start learning how to dance, and it's never too late to continuing to dance, actually. So, uh, because it's at the top of my head, um, definitely one thing I'd like to tell people. I think that's a, that that's beautiful. Like I and, and a lot of especially see this is we always have this misinterpretation that dance has always been for women, for girls in general, not for guys. Or you're made fun of if you want to learn classical dancing, and but that is a complete myth. And I'm more astounded by how good like especially when I see male Kathak dancers and how much and that's one of my next years that I would love to get is people who've done Kathak dances. As because they've gone through a lot, especially, especially yeah. with not only with learning thing, but also about the pressures of you know dance of of almost the stereotypes that have been attached to them. Hundred percent. So just understand yeah. the theory in itself, and you yeah. and you've also spoken very about true. That, and you spoke about the important support system that your parents have been, and that's so wonderful to hear, because you know they're in the similar fields to that. They can they can have they they relate to what you want to do, so. And I think that's where you had this really interesting thing is at, I, I, during this, uh, I'm paraphrasing yeah. what you had in your podcast, was after some time, it's it's the the people that are closest to me that 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 their opinions matter. And obviously, Mr. Bajchand is included in that. You know, she's almost like family at this point. <laughs> but I don't know, you're yeah. just saying after some time. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm the only one who's going on stage. And I'm the one who is performing day in, day night. No, no, I'm not... Other people aren't performing for me. I'm doing it for myself. So after some time, I really need to compartmentalize who I listen to. So I think that's you had mentioned this in your podcast. And I think that's a beautiful way to. Yeah, end. definitely. That's a beautiful way. Thank you so much, Swara, for coming on. Generally, this is I actually I lo- I loved our conversation so much. That Thank I, you for having me. I might just upload this thing tomorrow. <laughs> like I generally might just upload this conversation tomorrow because I mean I have. I have. <laughs> I just need to basically edit it. And the thing is, I'm going to post maximum six to seven minutes. It's not like I'm posting the entire recording. I'm, I'm actually, I might just do that. But just, it's been an honor to get you on. And- <laughs> no, no, no. Please, you can, you can edit it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm going to edit. Don't worry. No, I'm going to post like six, seven good minute clips because you know people like are more likely to listen to that than a forty minute one, even however interesting it might be. But. Continue yeah. doing what you want. Continue doing what you are, Swara. Like generally, I, it's amazing what you do, and just keep with that motivation. Keep going, you know, whatever you want to do and whatever you want to achieve, per se, because that's only something that you know. And personally, like, don't let anyone. Thank you. And I, okay, I, I'll be a little crass here because the end of it. But trust me, do not give up. Don't give a shit about what anyone else has to say, because <laughs> I know you're someone who hasn't sworn much. So I, I do the honors for you. But thank you so much for coming on, Swara. Uh, it was an absolute honor getting you. And I'll just end the recording. Thank you.